each one of our lives. He is that, that rock that doesn't move. And as we sing, for, as we sing, uh, we open up in our in the song. You're gonna be. We're gonna have Brother Larkins, which is our teacher for this morning. Please keep him in, in prayer and all our teachers uh, in prayer as they teach the Word of God this morning. Worship with us, saints of God.
Isn't God ever so good? Isn't it ever so good to just have an opportunity to live for God? Recently, when we did the first, first, uh, thank you very much, uh, Brother Hernandez. You, everybody, give Brother Hernandez a big round of applause. He's he's got the front door while I'm up here. Woo! Please be seated while I take a moment to get going here. If any of the classes are in here that have a class out there, of course, please be dismissed. You don't want to sit through this. Uh, worship will continue, or worship service will begin shortly after we are finished here. I greatly miss my wife being here. Please pray for her. You know, I wanted to be squared away, so I put my page right there. Isn't that awesome? For those of you that have expressed concern, oh, it's not flopping like it has been. We got a new one on the way, so the phone the phone situation is going to be squared away. I was I was a little taken aback by how many people are concerned about having a good phone case on their phone. Uh, apparently, I'm in the minority in only wanting to spend one dollar on a phone case and I was I was working on it I found one for 598 and uh, we were getting close to that one dollar mark and and a brother said man he hands me his phones put your address in there he's on Amazon your phone case will be here next Saturday it's like all right as long as it doesn't cost me more than a dollar I'm good so that's 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 uh that's how God works Whatever we need will be there. Now, I've got to try something here. Okay, I can see that there. This front monitor is is out. Uh, apparently, we're all having one of those mornings this morning. And that's all right. Because what I know is God's still good. God is still on the throne. Depending on what school you of thought you're from anyways. But we know that God is still in control. So let me see if this is going to... All right, cool beans. All right. So, uh, oh yeah, let me do this one more time there. So uh, let, let me read momentarily here. Paul and Timotheus the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel with me from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I'm glad to know that 
our God who has begun a work in us will see it to completion. And that that very same God has given us the very tools to make it to the end of the journey. I am reminded that, that God, when He came here, robed Himself in flesh, was met, God manifest in the flesh, said, I've got to go, but I will not leave you comfortless. We are thoroughly furnished and equipped. And there was, so then that makes me, brings me to my next point here. So I grew up out west. And until I reached the age where I began to travel around quite a bit, I did not truly understand how different it can be from one part of the country to another and from one part of a region to another. And I even lived in a city in the, the early 1990s, and there was a street called Aggie. And they told me, don't cross this street after dark. Are you kidding me? Now, look, I'd only been in this city during the day. And all throughout this city, i just seen people. Every shape, every color, every day, just all out doing their business. But in this city, there was a line. And that line demarcated. There was a certain people that lived on this in this area. And they didn't want those folks showing up over here. And the people that lived over there, they went there at night. They didn't want them folks over here. Craziest thing. Well, guess what side of town I found a place to live. It wasn't on the side I was supposed to be on. So here I show up, 1130 at night. There's a, I mean, there's hundreds of people outside this club that's right next to this little place I rented, which was my other mistake. I should have looked what was around. But I pull in, and, and they mob my car, and... Guy leans in my window and says, what are you doing here? Well, I live right there. And while he stood there with that look of astonishment on his face, I put my foot in the gas and I made my way up my driveway. I made sure I got home earlier every time after that. But it was interesting to me. And so all that to say, get, get to the real story here. I grew up out west. I grew up around uh, a very, I'm from Southern California, a very diverse culture. But, but there was a particular culture that I was around quite a bit. And something I learned early on was that when you go to buy an old truck, they'd say, mijo, you take money in one pocket. That's what you want to pay. You take money in this pocket, that's probably what you'll end up paying. You take money in another pocket, and that's probably what he's going to try to ask for. And you take money in another pocket. Now, that's what he's going to try to get from you. And you better know that's what you want to pay. And then there was always one more pocket. Now, mijo, if you really want that truck... You better have plenty of money in that last pocket because that's what's going to get you the truck. And, you know, I never dipped into that last pocket very often, but there have been a couple of pickups. I found a 1968 Ford, and I paid more money than I ever paid for a truck before when I bought that one. Boy, it was beautiful. 
beautiful truck. I sold it because it was so pretty, I was afraid I was going to scratch it. You and I understand. Some of us work out of a truck. Some of us drive a truck because we drive a truck. I don't. You know, I, 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 if I'm not putting tools in a truck, I don't even own a truck. So, um, but anyways, there's, there's always that, that last pocket. And that's, that's the theme we are going to run with, the fifth pocket. Now, I think we went. So, Unfortunately, I'm going to have to look over my shoulder because this is this is the new living translation up here, and I was I have been trying to put both up there. I'm done with that. I'm gonna put what we're going with up there. If you need it out of the King James, open your King James, or you know nowadays tap over to your King James. Uh, but this first pocket here, we're in Philippians four and two. And I'll read through this scripture in in its entirety as we go through it here. But uh, now I appeal to Yodia and Sikchi. Sinchi, I looked it up. I'm having trouble with it. But here's the point. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Okay, so your first pocket, and, and, and we're looking for... We're, we're going to end up at Ziklag in all of this. And for those of you that may not be familiar with Ziklag, Ziklag was a, da- a place where David found himself in a great amount of distress. And he encouraged himself, the King James says. He encouraged himself in the Lord. How do we get to that point? The very first pocket you can dig into is when you look into your own self. You can... And, and this is, as, as Paul is appealing in this letter, I appeal to you, and he gives names. Anytime there's a name, you know you're on the carpet, or at least it is when my name gets called. And when she uses my middle name, I don't even worry about the carpet. I just get under it. But when you run into something, the first thing you can do is exactly what is pointed out here. He didn't say, you go over and you go over it. What, what begins to happen here is you begin to look at yourself. You have resources within you to overcome whatever the problem is. Go home. Uh, in the army, we say, go to your organic assets. What do I have right here in the unit I'm in that will let me address the problem? So there's your first pocket. That's a pretty easy pocket to get to. Can I get through this? Can I do this? Can I handle this? Is this within what I am built for? Yes or no, we're moving on. So then he says, And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. So you can dig into that second pocket. This is generally what you're going to kind of pay for a pickup truck or you're expecting to pay for a pickup truck. Uh, If you're a shrewd negotiator, as the guy that runs the VinWiki website says, you you probably won't even make it here, but if you make it to here, this is where you'll end. But if you look to your left and to your right, There are assets and resources. There are 
people all around us that you can walk up to. Just this, well, yesterday, someone called me, and I said, Here, here's, here's where it's at, and, and gave a little bit of confirmation and advice. And then this very morning, went up to somebody else, said, Hey, I had a conversation. This is what was going on. This is the advice that I gave. What do you think? Because when you dig into this pocket here, you're reaching out. There, there are plenty of assets and resources available to the people that find themselves in a place where, okay, I, I can't do this alone. Or I don't look in here and see what I need. Hey, brother, can I get a hand? Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, I'm about to go out and buy me a Hellcat on my minimum wage job down here flipping hamburgers. So what do you think? Good idea or not? I mean, probably not. I mean, if you still live at home and you want to spend $108,000 on a car, then, you know, maybe you can pull it off. I know because that's, you know, my wife really liked that. Hellcat. Boy, I'm glad the C8 Corvette came out because that got her off the Hellcat. I can get a Corvette for less than a Hellcat, so I'm good. Plus, she's going to make me change the stickers on it. She didn't want to say Hellcat. She wanted to say Bobcat or something else because she didn't want the word hell, of course, on her car. Like, yeah, 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 you spend all that money on a car, and then you want me to take it to the body shop and do something to it. So, she's got what? See, look. There's outside help, whether it's a time of need or a time of, as the theme we're following, a time of encouragement. So then there's a third pocket, and you start digging into this pocket, and always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. When, when you have, have gone to your brother or sister, you have leaned on their shoulder or said, Hey, uh, just help me out here. Pump me up. Tell me it's going to be all right. Remember, if you walk the walk, if you talk the talk, if you have faith that this is going to happen, you have already reached a point at which your, your help is already coming from the hills. And, and I use this example. When I was in Iraq the first time, uh, only time I guess I was in Iraq. But anyways, when I was in Iraq, there, there was all these other convoys getting shot up all the time. Well, every time I briefed a convoy I was going out with, look, I realize I'm on a gun truck. I realize I'm the guy and the other guys that, that were on our team. You know, our vehicles are the ones with the big guns. We're the ones that everybody looks at because they know the big firepower is coming from there. However, if all of you people in this convoy will have your weapons hanging out your window and be looking like you're looking for a fight, we'll have fewer problems. And it worked every time. I watched. I could see convoys up there getting blasted. 
small arms fire, IEDs, RPGs, little kids running up, stealing stuff off the side of the trucks. People jump up on the side of the truck, and they try to reach inside and snatch stuff out. Because when I got there, we were there for the initial push, so we didn't have all this up armor, closed windows, air conditioning. We just had plain old vehicles. And when it's 140-some degrees, your window's down, I guarantee it. But we looked like we were ready for the fight. If we go around and we, if you look at the example of fasting, don't paint your face all white and gloomy, but you go about your business in the middle of your fast. This is a huge part of the battle of encouragement for yourself. Get up in the morning. I'm on solid ground. I am above the dirt. And I'm on solid food. We, we're going to make it. That's when you sing that song in the morning. I won't sing it for you, but it says, we're going to make it. And the problem is I can't sing it without the, there's some joking verses that people have added to it. And every time I try to sing that song, I sing whatever the, the goofy version is. So that's what you get when you, when you uh, go that route. So, but just be joyful. I try to start every, I shouldn't even say I try. I start off every day happy. Now, it takes me about 14 seconds when I blow my coffee maker thingy all over, and, you know, it's, it's a rough day at that point. But yeah, I don't even drink coffee for the, the lift. I just, I don't care what I drink anymore, as long as I got a hot fluid. So that, um, start out your day with a right attitude. Set yourself in order and just be happy about it. So, we start digging a little bit further down the road, and you'll run into this fourth pocket. Now, heretofore, we have been using what is organically or, or is horizontally available to us. Whether you look at your own self and say, hey, bro, we're going to have a good day. That's the way it's going to be. Or you call somebody up and say, hey, I need help having a good day. Or... You just simply, you know, I, I, this is a phrase that, that I've heard, fake it till you make it. And I, that's not at all what, what that scripture is saying, but I, I hope you get the gist of, of that. However, if there's nothing else available, you've used what you have, you can always turn your face up toward heaven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying. I can start out looking into my own situation, my own heart, my own reserve of my bubbly nature because I've already done this. This is that circular process. You can't get up in the morning. My mother-in-law one time looked at me and she said, you can't live up here all the time. Well, she wasn't in the church, so she didn't understand. Oh, yes, I can. I've said it many, many times, and I say it to myself as much as I say it for anyone else. I've never had a bad day since I started living for God. Not one. Not a single bad day. I have had days that weren't as fun as other days. I've had days that weren't full of as much happiness as other days. I've had days where I was more broke than I was other days, but none of them were bad days. 
because I knew this one thing for sure. My God's still on my side. So why did I jump on the back of a Humvee with, with a homemade mount for my M249 and woohoo out the front gate every time because my God was with me. I didn't have any faith in the Humvee. Many civilians think the Humvee is the greatest thing. Oh, you must look. No, I hate the Humvee. If it's going to break down, it's going to have a flat tire most of the time. And I can't remember how many lug nuts are on a Humvee, but it is way more lug nuts than you want to change on the side of the road while your partner's going, hey, bro, about 300 meters out, you better hurry. You can only hurry when there's like 5 million lug nuts at a certain rate. But it's all right. God was always with me. On every road, Iraq, Afghanistan, every place I've been. So, because I've been here already, I use my resources. And then, you know what? Sometimes you just got to trouble God. It's not trouble to God. But there's times when you just got to say, I need to have a pity party for about five minutes here. So, uh, I hope you got your hat on, Jesus, because I'm about to tell you all about all my big, horrible, terrible problems. You know, I mean, I need $8.85 to go to brevity and get my wife a cup of this coffee. And I don't know where I'm going to get $8.85. First world problems, you know. you got to figure out how you're going to get your wife that cup of coffee. But you go to God. Go, go to, okay, so it, we understand, we look toward the hills from where our help comes from. Sometimes you got to get beyond just looking up there and just make sure that that help is there. So don't worry about it. because And, you know, it's, it's amazing that this scripture starts with don't worry about it. And I assume that the reason it says that is because we all understand. We've already worried about it or we wouldn't be to here. You're not digging into your fourth pocket of encouragement unless you're worried. And... You know, I'm worried that inflation is going to send that coffee up again and I might have some serious issues because I think you're going to be 12 bucks here pretty quick. So, where do we go when we get to our fifth pocket? Somebody want to tell me? Here we go. So, this fifth pocket. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. One final thing. Let's get down to the end of this thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Down through the years, both in my construction career, my military career, I've always had a happy place. I go to my happy place. This is my spiritual happy place. Doesn't matter how bad it gets. I can fix my thoughts. In mountaineering, they fix a rope. That means they firmly attach it up there so that you have either a help up or you have a help down. So this is our rope that we can always hang on to. These things, doesn't tell me what. Sometimes it's just that I'm up in the morning and I look over there and wow, another fabulous sunrise. That's why I know my God loves me. Sometimes it's that near miss on the highway. That's why I know all things work together for good. But you fix those ropes. You, you, you focus on these things. 
What is honorable? Well, I know some honorable men. Okay, so you're having a hard time or you don't know where you're at. Think about those honorable men compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, the King James says. So, you always got to have a, an example you can go to. Let's remember the Shunammite woman. And she had a son. Was a promised son. He, he was a miracle baby. We're at 20 minutes. Uh, let's hit. Ay, ay, ay. Oh. Really? It's a good thing this is a Sunday school class and not uh, we're, we're trying to preach here. I, I don't understand. There we go. I don't know what I did, but hey, we're not doing that anymore. I have an egg timer for a reason. I'm trying to get to where I'm at 20 minutes here. So check this out. She had a problem she needed to take care of. She didn't go to the servant and say, hey, bro, go, go saddle up the donkey. And she, she went and did it. And I can just see her putting the, and say, hey, hurry up. We got to go. And then what did she do? She didn't worry about it. She said, you go until I say stop. Get this carriage moving, bro. So she found a place. She had, she had a serious need. She knows this boy is gone. Her promise is dead. So what did she do? She encouraged herself. She got into action. She moved out smartly. She did everything she could do. She could get the saddle on. For whatever reason, she couldn't do the driving. So, woo let's go. But she didn't hold back. You're going to get me there in an expedited manner. She did what she could do, and then she went on. She made it to the man of God. The rest of the story is the boy lived out his life, resurrected. Ziklag. This is a fifth pocket event. So David and his guys go out. And they're doing some, some tough guy stuff. They come back from their battles, and guess what? The home's been attacked. Everything's gone. Cities, their, their, their homes are a wreck, burning. Wives are gone. Children are gone. The bank account's gone. And David finds himself with the very men that he should be able to lean on, looking at him thinking, saying, we're going to stone you. You caused this problem. Yet David encouraged himself in the Lord. And what I like is now it says encouraged in the King James, but here in the NLT, but David found strength in the Lord his God. So the first woman, she went right ahead and she started out with, I'm going to do what I can do. David didn't do that because there wasn't much he could do at this point. I get it. He was a giant killer. But you know what? You give me 75 eighth graders, and I'll take out any Navy SEAL on the face of the earth because he can only punch so many of them at a time. So here's David the mighty man. It's not a, a giant. It's just a whole bunch of mad guys that want to stone him. There's no place for him to go except he said, God... I'm going to find joy in this. I'm going to go about this like you have already delivered me because you are my God. Fifth pocket. Begin to, if we, if we as a people develop this in ourselves, we will always be encouraged. Worship will begin shortly. Please shake hands, be friendly. God is good.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Before we start our worship service, we're going to do the changing of the guard. We're going to switch cleaning teams for this week. We're going to go from a blue team, I guess, to gold team. If we could have our team captains come up. Amen, amen. We're ready to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's why we all came here. To praise God. Thank him. He's a good God. I think uh, Blue Team. It's a wonderful team. Amen. I can't expect more than what they're doing. And they put me to do a lot of work, but I try not to. <laughs> God is good. Thank you. Brother, I relinquish the sword back to you. Thank you, sir. On behalf of Pastor, I give you the care of the house of the Lord. I accept the care of the house. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, next week is the last week of prayer. So uh, it would almost seem appropriate that that we would give it all we have. Like the pastor said, for um, for, uh, the last week, you know, for... For us to get excited about what God is doing. I wanted to read a scripture that has always been on my heart. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name. You know, we are called by his name. We receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, you know, we took on his name. <clears throat> will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. <clears throat> How much more this last week if we don't humble ourselves and seek his face? You know, God has been good to us. Even with all the turmoil that's been going on in this, in this country, you know, where you don't know if, if uh, people, if it's a man or a woman. I, I work in a pharmacy, and sometimes I get some calls and it almost seems like a woman, and I even hate to say ma'am or sir because offending people. People are so ready to be offended, you know. But, you know, we live in a, in a time where, where we don't know what's going to happen next. I heard the news say that we were on the verge of the Third World War with Russia. You know, you don't know what to believe anymore. Even our politicians are a little shaky. It says to humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. 
You know, there's a lot of wicked people out there. Look at the borders. They're open. Everybody's coming across. You know, I work in the south side, and I see some real shady characters, you know, and you almost think, you know, about all that Mexican mafia or all those gangs or whatever. But God has been good to us. God has kept us. God has given us, you know, rest because we do have the Holy Ghost. We don't have to be afraid of what tomorrow brings. And then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. You know, I'm ready for God to come in and heal our land. Because this country is really going down fast. I've been to, to other third world countries and I don't like the I, I don't like it because the government is ready to to uh, take away all your rights. And that's where we're heading to. So let's make next week a week of prayer. Let's seek God. Let's cry out his name. Let's ask God to heal our land and get us back into the place that we need to be. God bless you. Praise the Lord. How many of you are ready to sing the song unto the Lord? Amen. I'm ready to praise the Lord. I don't know about you. Psalms 9 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. And I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to bless the Lord. Amen. Let's worship.
mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. We worship you from generation to generation because you've been good to us, Jesus. We praise you today.
you know there's only one way to heaven. Hallelujah. It is through repentance. Amen. It's through baptism in Jesus' name. It's through receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I've been down in Jesus' name. And I do not care what the world says about it. Amen. You can say it's the wrong way, but I know it's the right way. Amen. Until you feel what I felt. Come on, until you, until you felt the freedom that I've experienced. Amen. Don't you say anything about it. Amen. I, I beg you to try it. Amen. There's only one way to heaven. Amen. And I plan on making it to heaven. I plan on seeing Jesus face to face. Amen. There's only one way. And I'm thankful for salvation. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. be seated at this time we're going to take up our offering amen also next Sunday there's going to be a meal after for Pentecost Sunday I'm not 100% for sure something like baked potatoes something like something like that something good amen so plan on being here for Pentecost Sunday amen we're going to celebrate the birth of Pentecost amen Amen. I'm sure there's plenty of needs in this place as well. I don't think I'm missing any other announcements, right? I think that's it. Amen. There's a lot of needs in this world today. Amen. A lot of heartbreak, a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of problems going on. Amen. But I serve a God who is more than able. Amen. More than able. Amen. He's so mighty. He's so powerful. Amen. He's so awesome. And whatever your need is, I know he can do it. Amen. No matter if it's great or small. Amen. God is able to do it. Amen. So as we pray for this offering tonight, if you have a need, just let it be known by the lifting of a hand. God knows every situation. God knows every struggle. Amen. Let's pray for these needs in this offering today. Lord, we come before you today, God. We know that you are a mighty God. Lord, we know that you are more than able, God, to meet our needs, Lord. God, you've done it before, Jesus. There's nothing impossible for you, God. You are the creator of heaven and earth, God. You can fix our problems, Lord. Whatever it is, Jesus, Lord, you are able to do it, God. We ask that you would touch every need in this place, God, according to your will, God. Lord, we ask that you would bless this offering today, that you would multiply it, God, and use it for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let's worship the Lord with our giving.
Yeah.
Amen. Let's lift him up. My Lord, where you are, there is peace. God, where you dwell, there is life. Oh, and that more abundantly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. God, when we lift up your name and we call upon you, Lord, you hear your people from heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet presence in this house. Oh, we love you, Lord. We honor you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the victory you bring. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. I love what I feel in the house of the Lord. You never know what a day will hold. You never know what somebody wakes up with. Maybe how things, Elder Full, as the day goes on, just begin to unravel. The weights on an individual's shoulder and the things that, that come their way. When you step in the house of God. When you step in the house of God with God's wonderful people. Amen. I don't want to take this for granted. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to give honor to my pastor and Sister Nix. Uh, we miss them. Continue to pray for Sister Nix. Just had surgery. Let's continue to lift them up in prayer. Pastors in uh, Louisiana today preaching. Uh, thank you for the ministry that's here serving. Amen. Supporting our pastor. Amen. I thank you for all you wonderful saints that even though pastor is not here, you are here. Amen. Worshiping God, binding together. Amen. And being an act of light in this city. Amen. You may be seated if you would like. would also like to thank this church um, for the wonderful love you have shown day one when we arrived July or June of 21 I got here July of 21 uh, the love that you've shown our family and our children the prayers amen binding together the wilderness experience <laughs> that we just went through it was your love your prayers your support that got us through Amen. And I am eternally grateful for each and every one of you today. Amen. Hot off the press. Uh, next week, Brother Timothy Main from Crosby, Texas. Uh, evangelist will be preaching on Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Invite your friends. Invite your Neighbors, invite your co-workers, amen, out to the house of the Lord. Uh, before I get started, man, God's been working this week. You never know who, uh, brother, if you can turn me down a little bit. Um, I'm hard of hearing, so I don't want to yell anybody out of the house. Um, 
God's been working this week. I got a chance to sit down with one of the senior vice presidents at, our, at the company I work for uh, for about 30 minutes, uh, just part of the intake, nothing special. And I have a list of questions that I, I came up with, and um, I asked a question I've never asked before. I just felt led to put that on the list. And uh, I asked him at the end, I said, so what, what inspires you? Who do you look to for mentorship when you've hit the peak of your career? Where do you look to? And he said, well, I'm a Christian. I, I look to God. <laughs> great, great answer. I said, uh, I do too. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a minister as well. And he goes, really? What denomination? I said, I'm apostolic Pentecostal. And he goes, really? And he's, uh, he's in his mid-60s. And he looks so excited. He goes, I was raised United Pentecostal many years ago. You never know who you're talking with and who God has directed your steps on a given day, amen, to connect with a soul that has lost their way. Friday, I'm talking, searching Google Maps, trying to get the lay of the land here in San Antonio. And my coworker kind of took over my computer and was telling me all the places here in San Antonio. And he goes, hey, this is where I live. It's like, oh, man, that's not far from me. He goes, yeah, it's right down the road from this Alamo, and he couldn't pronounce apostolic church. And I said, that's the church I go to. He lives five houses away down this street. And we've knocked on his door. Amen. Look at what God is doing. Amen. God is moving. We may not see it at the moment. But God is reaching hungry souls here in San Antonio. Amen. That is something to get exciting for. Amen. We may sometimes think we're sowing seeds and it's not going anywhere and we're not getting any fruit from it. But God is working. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for that. That made my week. Amen. God has a way of of turning things around. If you'll turn to uh, Mark... The screen here is not working. Um, Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 48. Thank you, uh, brother and sister Schwing and, and those involved in, uh, in the music this morning. Uh, every song, um, specific words in the songs correlated with what God has in store for the church today. Thank you for being sensitive. I appreciate that. Mark chapter 10, 46 through 48. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible goes on to say that those around him said, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. Elder Full, if you don't mind praying.
Amen. Thank you, sir. You may be seated. The help of the Lord. We want to preach today on broken speeches. Amen. Broken speeches. John Ford says you can speak well if your tongue can deliver the message of your heart. Jim Begg said, what we say is important, for in the most cases, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Begin to try to understand this last week, what is a speech? What is a formal speech? Those that have uh, been in college or in high school and you were asked to write a report um, to develop a Speech, whether it was persuasive or not, there was an outline that you followed to help uh, write down your thoughts and to deliver that message that you had. There was an intention there. There was a formality that you followed. And so with the help of trying to understand what a speech is, I leveraged artificial intelligent technology with a chat GPT app. And I asked the question, what is a speech? This is what technology came back. A formal address or presentation given by a person to an audience, typically delivered orally and intended to convey a message or persuade the listeners to take a particular action or adopt a certain viewpoint. Speeches can be given on a wide range of topics, including politics, social issues, business education, entertainment, and more. They can be delivered in various settings, such as conferences, meetings, ceremonies, rallies, and public events. Thank you, ChatGPT, for that enlightenment. A speech is something that is very formal in its construct. It is intended to give the speaker, whether it is a presidential speech or another political figure or business figure, a very specific outline for them to follow to make sure that they stay on target and to deliver within a time frame what is exactly meant to be delivered. Our politicians, our president, every president follows a speech that is written by a speechwriter. They have limited time to convey a very critical message to a large group of people. And many times you will see them read their speech verbatim, never deterring from what they have studied and prepared for and uh, anticipated in their speech. Because if they were to uh, divert from this outline, disaster would be there. Because there are people waiting to pick apart their speech. And that happens afterwards. You will hear people pick apart a speech. And so it is very, very, very formal. College Dictionary Online states, A speech is a formal talk which someone gives to an audience. There is an introduction. You are introducing the audience to what you are going to talk about. Then there is the body of the speech, which is the meat. It contains the points that you are trying to drive 
to your audience. And then lastly, the third part, there is a conclusion. And in this conclusion, you are summarizing everything you talked about and tying it back to the introduction and applying an action statement to get people to move in a particular direction. A speech without a conclusion has no action, therefore it's pointless. All of these pieces together are very, very important. Again, a speech is formal. It is sometimes very rigid in its construct. It is very boring in its construct. Lord willing, I am not giving a speech today that will put you to sleep, but I'm preaching the word of God. But even in preaching and preparing, there is an outline, there is a construct that is followed to convey a point and drive an action by those that are listening. Amen. But preaching is not meant to be so formal and rigid that you cannot move outside the confines of it and let the presence of God move. Amen. That is the difference between a speech and a lecture and the preaching of the word of God in the house of God to God's wonderful people. Amen. I am thankful that I go to a church Amen. That preaches truth in a way and in a manner that doesn't just tickle my ears and stimulate my intellect, but it reaches in to my heart and begins to soften it and make it pliable. Amen. That is the active presence of God. Amen. Speeches are designed. They're well crafted. They take time. They take effort. A lot of times many people put their viewpoints in there and and cut this out and move this, especially if you're in marketing and anything that is outward presence. You want to make sure every word counts. Amen. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. There are famous speeches that have touched the landscape of humanity. On November 19th, 1864, Abraham Lincoln the Gettysburg Address after a very uh, disastrous battle in where I believe it was like 50-something, almost 60,000 soldiers lost their life. And they are dedicating a, uh, a place to bury people. My, the word escapes me. Um, but he delivered this, this uh, message, this speech. And he spoke for two hours, this very notable individual of that time. He was a well-known orator. Uh, He spoke at this dedication for two hours. It was a speech. Probably put people to sleep. I find it interesting that when he was speaking, the words he spoke were not memorable. But when Abraham Lincoln got up and he spoke... Uh, For two minutes, it goes down in history as one of the greatest speeches of all time. The power of words, the power to connect. You see, during this speech, Lincoln tied the current struggle to the days of signing of the Declaration of Independence, speaking of the principles that the nation was conceived in, liberty, and the proposition that all men are created equal. Amen. 
Moreover, he tied both to the abolition of slavery, a new birth of freedom, and the maintenance of representation in government, a powerful speech that moved people. Amen. He had to be very careful with his words, but yet very pointed. Amen. That all men are created equal. And these that have perished in this battle did not lose their life in vain, but they gave it for freedom. And that is what he was highlighting. They gave it in freedom. Amen. In June 4th, 1940, in the midst of World War II, Winston Churchill, Germany coming in, and, and uh, England, um, there's chaos going there. There's a lot of turmoil going. There's poverty. There's, there's torment. There's fear of, of the bombardments and all the things that are going on. And he gives a very important speech. And it's titled, We Shall Fight on the Beaches. In this speech, he highlights that doom is eminent from Nazi Germany invading. But he doesn't glorify Nazi Germany. He begins to tell the people, yes, this is coming, but look at what we can do. Look at what we can accomplish. There is something in us to raise us up. And it was a balancing act in his words. Because if he focused so much on Nazi Germany... The fear that was already present within uh, the people of that nation would be escalated. And so his speech was very delicate, but yet again, it was very pointed. We shall fight on the beaches. We will not give up. We will fight. Another memorable speech given on October 29th, 1941 by Winston Churchill. Again, in the midst of World War II, can you imagine what was going on in that nation? What was going on in that world in families that could not provide for their children because there wasn't enough food? Being invaded was uh, on the top of their mind every day as the sirens of bombs coming were there, not knowing where to go because where they hid yesterday was bombed and now they have to find a new place. This was not something that is just bound to movies that, that those have tried to document in historical matters. This was something they experienced. Thanks, Apple. And in his speech, Winston Churchill says, never give in. Never, never, never. His words were never given, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Never, ever ever give in. Yes, we are fighting a battle that is overwhelming. Yes, our resources are being depleted, but never, ever give in. And that speech went down and it it encouraged the people. Our speech has power. What we say, we can speak faith into something and lift the atmosphere or we can focus on all the negative things that are going on and deplete the atmosphere. Another 
very powerful and moving speech on, October, on August 28, 1963 by Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream. If you've never listened to that, I encourage you to go and listen to him give this speech. Very powerful, very beautiful speech in a 17-minute speech. I don't have time to, to read it all, but a, very, a little excerpt from that. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Amen. A speech that shifted the landscape of our nation began to move people and begin to bring people together and begin to add momentum to a very beautiful movement that is beginning to continue to bring our nation together. A speech is powerful, but a speech is also very formal. Remember that. The prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, the Bible goes on to say that he he left all that he had and he went out into the world and, and he wasted away all the money that he got from his father and from his inheritance. And he came to a realization that he had let everything go and now he is eating with the pigs and, and sleeping where they sleep and crawling where they crawl. And, and he didn't like his situation. And so he began to tell himself, I need to go back to my father's house. I need to go back to where I was raised. I need to go back to the place that I left and all the things that I left. But I wonder if in his mind he began to craft a speech. I need to justify to my father why he should let me come back in. I need to craft a speech mentally. And the the whole way home he is rehearsing this in his mind and saying, well, I should say this, I should say it in that sequence. And, and the longer and the longer that journey was and the closer he got to his father's house, the more mundane that message became. Something maybe that started with passion became so formalized in his mind that there was no passion left within it. Maybe he talked himself out of being accepted back to his father's house. I can see in his, him approaching, again, rehearsing every word of this speech as he's approaching his father's house. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. My friend, his father did not want a speech. His father was not looking for a speech that was formalized, something that his son just pulled up and began to read it line by line, word by word, to justify why he should come back to his father's house. No, his father wasn't looking for a speech, but his father was looking for passion, was looking for love, was looking for a changed heart that he can connect with again. And sometimes we come to God and we are so formal and so proper 
that we come to God with a speech that we have developed throughout the week. And God's saying, I don't want your speech. I know what you're going through. I know what you've been through. I want your heart. I don't want your empty words that you have formalized. Come, I will fall on you. I will accept you. But sometimes we get so formal with God that we remove the relationship. Oh, I can clap. Uh, I can clap my hands. I can sing. But have you shouted? Where, my friend, have your, has your shout gone? Where has your dancing and where has your leaping gone? Amen. Have you gotten so, so caught up in what you can't do and what you've done that you've talked yourself out of coming back to the master's house? Hallelujah. God is here today and he's reaching for you. Amen. He's not going to micromanage you. He's not going to look at all the words that you've presented, but he's coming and say, give me your heart. Give me your praise. I want to commune with you. I want to dance with you. My arms are open, but you've got to break those speeches that you keep coming to me with. Woo. Hallelujah. Think about it. Husbands, wives, if you came to your spouse every day with a speech, I can't talk to you. Let me, let me pull up my speech. How empty would that relationship be? How empty and non-spontaneous would that relationship be with your children if you approached them every day with a speech? There's no emotion in it. There's no connection in it. It's just intellectual babble that is boring. How many times we come to God like that? How many times? Oh, I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. I've come to to prayer revival. I've come to things, and my mind is loaded down with the things of this world that I catch myself babbling to God in a speech that I've come accustomed to. And God's saying, I heard you. I hear you. But I can't move because there is an empty word coming before me. Next week is Pentecost Sunday. We have been in prayer revival all month. I would rather speak two words and get Jesus to stop and see me than speak of volumes of books that moves nothing. Hear the Lord today. Sometimes we get so formal. Oh, I can't run the aisles. What will people think? Who cares? I can't jump and shout. What will people think? Who cares? Look what the Lord has done. Look what he has done in your life. Look at where he has brought you. Why do we shift our relationship that started with passion and started with joy and started with excitement to a place of just a speech between us and God? Listen to this. Mark chapter 10 verse 46. What we read at the beginning. 
Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he's blind. He cannot see. He has no idea the proximity that Jesus is to him. He has no idea of the obstacles that are between him and Jesus, but he heard him. Something began to rise up within him. I'm tired of being blind. I'm tired of my current condition. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I am tired of sitting here day in and day out. I am tired of my condition. I'm tired of my limitations. Amen. I can't see him, but I can hear him. I can hear the crowd. I can hear what is going on. And something began to stir within him and said, enough is enough. You can tell me to be quiet. You can tell me to sit where you have. My Lord, my Lord, where you have told me to sit. But something within me. I'm going to get the attention of Jesus. I'm going to connect with Jesus. He's going to hear me. You may not want to yell and get his attention, but I'm going to put everything I've got into my relationship with God. Amen. He is going to hear me. Woke up this morning. Everything that could fall apart did fall apart. Text my wife, you need to pray. Uh, No, God's going to hear me. The Bible goes on to say, He heard him, and he began to shout. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You think that's what came out of his mouth? Very pious. Oh, I got to mind my P's and Q's because somebody may think so. I've always approached the Lord this way. I'm just going to continue to do it. I'm comfortable with it. I'm used to it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Think about it. If you were blind all your life, unable to see, and the miracle worker that you've heard about all your life is coming by, Would you have reservation in how loud you were? I don't think he just said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Something rose within him. Something that said, I've got to give it my all. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
got the attention of the crowd. It got the attention of the religious people. It got the attention of those others around him that had a need but refused to open their mouth. What was their reaction? Be quiet. Brother Tarpley, why are you worshiping God? Be quiet. Just sit there and don't do anything. Why are you worshiping God? Why are you lifting your voice? And the Bible says he did not listen to them. He did not argue with them. He did not give them room in his miracle. But he lifted up his voice even louder, even when they were saying, be Many people yelled at him. Listen to this. But he only shouted louder. You know what that tells me? His first shout, he still had capacity. But in the rejection of those around him, he began to understand that he had more to give. And it wasn't in the first shout that got the attention of the Lord. But it was in the second shout that he got the attention of the Lord when he shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When we come to God, there's got to be an emptying of ourselves because God will not dwell with something already full, no matter what it is filled with. But he inhabits the places that are empty. And by you refusing, by you refusing to shout, And to get the attention of Jesus, you are telling him, I am satisfied and I am content in my current situation. But he only shouted louder. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he said, tell him to come here. This is not a, I don't believe, a a negative message. So remind us. What did Jesus say? Tell him to come here. Well, Lord, he's blind. Tell him to come here. I heard him, but I'm not coming to him. He needs to come to me. You see, God's not our puppet. But, but Lord, there's something stopping me from getting to you. That doesn't matter. There was something stopping the lady that had an issue of blood. Did that stop her? No. Tell him to come. And then look at how those around him begin to change their tune. Cheer up. Cheer up. They said, come. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. 
What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Jesus said unto him, go, for your faith has healed you. What faith? The faith that was exhibited in your yelling. The faith that was demonstrated in your shouting. You see, before he was healed, he threw aside his speech that identified him as somebody that was blind. He threw aside that cloak that everybody knew, oh, this is a blind man sitting here day in and day out. Before he came to Jesus, he let it go, and he gave it to God, and he walked to him in faith. And then when he got there, he didn't just say a rabbi, he said my rabbi. It's okay to shout. I begin to look it up. What what happens to the body? What happens to the mind when we shout? You see, I'm, and some may argue with this, and that's okay. You're you're open to your uh, opinion. Uh, By nature, I'm an introvert. By nature, I'm an introvert. I don't like being in front of people. Talking with people drains me. Uh, large crowds drain me. Uh, give me a cup of coffee and a book, and I'm in heaven. Uh, at work, I say that I'm a professional extrovert, just for eight hours, and then that's it. <laughs> Anyone else like that? Okay, uh, all right, I got someone to, to go drink coffee with. Um, but it's okay to shout. There's a doctor, I believe Ryan Howes, Ph.D., for 40 years he has been studying yelling and shouting and the effects on the body and the mind and what it does for an individual. To ensure I don't butcher his work, I'm going to read it verbatim. Letting loose of the pent-up emotion is freeing like spitting poison out of your mouth says Ryan Howes, Ph.D., a clinical psychologist in Pasadena, California. He goes on to say that as you scream, your body becomes more alert and you release tension in the muscles caused by bottled up emotions. Screaming literally gives your voice, gives voice to your emotions, transforming a feeling from something that's silent and creating inner tension to something that's physically felt and heard. Yelling, shouting, and screaming is good for your body. It is good in your spiritual relationship and connection with God. He goes on to say, when an emotion is screaming through your throat, or echoing off the walls, it seems much more real. He says, and that makes it harder to deny and dismiss, helping you start to process and to process your emotional pain. You see, we tend to hold everything in. Who's going through something in life that's weighing on your shoulders? I'm not saying you're in sin, but life is life, right? 
we, we face things and, and those things are added to us. And, and in that pain and in that frustration, there is a tendency to close our mouth and hold it all within us. And when we do that and we hold all of that pain and all of that frustration within us, it affects our worship and how we approach God. We take something that started with passion, something that started with zeal, and we turn it into an empty speech because why inside is empty. And we are struggling with things, but we forgot the one that brought us peace initially. And so it is okay to shout with a voice of triumph. It is okay to lift up our voice and to magnify the God of glory. Amen. Brother Schwing. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 10. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then ye shall shout. In verse 20, the Bible goes on to say, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass as what was commanded and as what was said would happen. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city straightway before them and they took it. There is power in your shout And in your praise, amen, when you are in unison and you are connected to God, amen. You don't need to have words well crafted before you come to Jesus, amen. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah, when he is there before the altar in a simple prayer of 63 words brought fire from heaven, amen, that consumed everything that was there. He didn't argue with those with a well-crafted speech, but he went to God in prayer. In 63 words, he defeated the enemy that was before him. Amen. There is a God that is here today, but we must not approach him with an empty speech that we have learned along the way on our journey. Amen. But we must come to him lifting up holy hands, and lifting up our voices unto him with a shout of triumph and a shout of joy. Amen. As you come to the altar today, amen, I want to encourage you. Do not come to the altar today the same way that you have approached God day in and day out, service after service. Amen. Come to him with a voice of triumph. Come to him with praise in your heart. Hallelujah. In Psalm chapter 1, or Psalm 150, verse 1, the Bible says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. But I got to be quiet. They're telling me to be quiet. They're telling me to sit. They're telling me you're too tired from this and that and whatever it may be. Yeah. 
You know why people get the Holy Ghost in churches? Yes, preaching is part of it. Yes, preaching is a big part of it. The word of God going forth. But it's also from the people lifting up their voices unto God and worshiping him and creating an environment where God can move. Amen. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Amen. Whatever you are going through today, whatever you have faced today or this week, I encourage you, come to the altar, not to bow your head and to have, you know, Lord, help me with this. Lord, help me with that. But what if we come say, Lord, you've already given me enough. You've already done so much for me. You've brought me where, where I should have been a statistics. I should have been a drunkard. I should have been this and I should have been that. But by your mercy, Lord, you saved me. And what if we come to the altar today? Not to say, Lord, what can you give me? But God, I'm going to give you my highest praise. I'm going to lift up my voice with a great shout. I'm going to reach that place of capacity in my walk with you and in my praise with you. I'm going to run. I'm going to shout. I'm going to lift up my voice. Shout unto God for the victory. 
bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence, God, that we feel in this place. We thank you for the liberty that is here, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You're a mighty God. You're a mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I'm thankful for the victory. Amen. I'm thankful for the liberty of the Holy Ghost that is in this place. Amen. Thank you, Brother Thomas, for preaching the Word of God, for preaching your heart. <clears throat> My voice is going out. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. You can have the victory. Amen. I thank God for the freedom that is in this place. Amen. You may be dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. Go live like you got the victory. Amen. Bless God.